You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. I've been a Presbyterian my whole life, and one thing I've learned is that Presbyterians don't like a lot of drama. (laughs) Generally speaking, we're pretty low-key, straightforward, fly-under-the-radar kind of people with our ways of doing things, including baptism. Compared to other Christian traditions, baptism in a Presbyterian church is pretty simple and drama-free. We have scripture, we have a prayer, we have vows, we have a little bit of water, sometimes we get a little wave, but that's about as much drama as we get. And this all helps us to celebrate the grace of God. Now I like being a Presbyterian, I treasure it, and I value our tradition, but sometimes I wonder if we're not missing something without some of the drama that other traditions have. People in the Baptist tradition don't practice infant baptism. They wait until a person is old enough to make those affirmations on their own. And there's good theological reasons for doing baptism both ways. Baptists might be a little suspect with the way we do our baptism with sprinkling a few drops of water on the person's head. They practice what's known as uh, an immersion baptism where the person is literally dunked in water and sometimes even held down for a couple of seconds. So Baptist churches and other churches will have up in the chancel area, they'll have a a font like an oversized bathtub built in to the sanctuary, to the worship space, whatever it is. And sometimes baptisms are held in local rivers or local ponds or even local swimming pools. You know, just kind of depends on the tradition. The water symbolism with baptism is rich, and so we get a little sprinkle with with the Presbyterian tradition. Baptists see a lot more water. The whole idea of Noah and the flood, new life, the whole idea of the people of Israel fleeing oppression and crossing the Red Sea, new life. The imagery is rich, so water is important in baptism. Quick story, I served a, a church in Richmond, Virginia for seven years as the associate pastor, And there was a very active family in that church with Southern Baptist roots. They had two boys, and when those boys were about 10 years old and 12 years old, the family started to think about baptism. They had Southern Baptist roots, but they were in love with the Presbyterian tradition, so we had some great conversation about what baptism was all about. We considered a lot of options. We considered having a worship service at a local river, but we decided against that. There was concern about logistics and flies and all that sort of stuff. You know, we are Presbyterians, so. We also talked about the, the, there was very serious conversation about getting one of those hard plastic kiddie pools, you know, about a foot high and putting many gallons of water, putting it right there in the sanctuary, but there was concern about water splashing out and damaging the carpet and all those kinds of things. So, so instead, we opted for what you would consider to be a traditional Presbyterian baptism with the provision that we used a lot of water, (laughs) scooping it on the boys' heads. A little drama. 
a little bit of drama in the Presbyterian church. Well, in baptismal liturgies, um, in other traditions, there's a little bit more of a big deal made of the name of the candidate being baptized. And oftentimes, the person's given a new name, a baptismal name. I know some people in this church were given new names when they were baptized. We just say the name of the person. And there's one other way that I've seen that other traditions accent baptism a little bit differently. And that's with the clothing that gets worn during baptism. It's usually white garments to symbolize new life and purity. And in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, newly baptized people are given a white garment, which is sometimes worn for eight days. There's some symbolism in there, so taking on the new life of Christ. And you can see in a painting of the baptism of St. Vladimir, get a little closer up, you can see on one side there's his old garment, his old clothes being set aside, the gold clothing is being set aside, and the new baptismal garment, the white one, is waiting for him. So there's the sense at baptism that you're, you're taking on the clothing of Christ, that you're putting on a new garment, that you're, you're wearing something new, you're claiming a new identity. And I love that imagery. So we Presbyterians um, don't emphasize such things very much, and we tend to be more, more heady and more intellectual, which is not a bad thing. But we need to pay attention. We need to pay attention lest we miss some of the drama and some of the deep meaning of baptism, because I think the drama in some of these other traditions baptism help us appreciate what baptism is all about. Our scripture reading for today comes from the third chapter of Colossians, wonderful little book in the New Testament. Our reading comes from the second half. The first half is dealing with kind of doctrine and theology and what Christians are supposed to believe, some concern about heresy, what's most important, where are we supposed to focus. The second half of the book is kind of the therefore section. Because of all this, then how do we live our lives? What are you supposed to do? What's a faithful follower of Jesus look like? And in these six verses for today, there's lots of imagery. The new clothing imagery is there. And in these few verses, we also hear an invitation to forgive. We hear an invitation to let the word of Christ dwell within us richly, which is a big reason why we're doing these memory verses this summer. And we're called to hear God's songs and live God's music, and we're called to be people of peace. So there's a lot in these few verses. Let's pay attention to God's word. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, Clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called as one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks be to God for the words of Scripture. Clothe yourselves with compassion, 
kindness, and love. What a great image. I'd like you to think for just a minute or so about your closet or your drawer or the big pile on the floor, wherever it is you might keep your clothes. Think about those clothes and picture yourself tomorrow morning getting up, getting ready for the day, deciding what you're going to wear for the day. Maybe a workout suit, maybe a power suit, maybe a bathing suit, maybe business casual attire for work, maybe lounge pants, maybe your brewer's jersey. As you put on whatever clothing you're going to put on tomorrow, you simply say a prayer. Dear God, clothe me today with compassion, kindness, and love. Clothe me today with compassion, kindness, and love. Living the Christian life is not a one-shot thing like joining the church or a baptism or saying yes to God at some dramatic moment. It's a daily, regular routine of turning our lives over and intentionally, purposefully living for God's sake. So the idea of intentionally deciding to put on these new clothes makes sense to me. Our calling to live as God's people is an everyday thing. So I think it's helpful for me, I'm as forgetful as anybody, to build into my daily routine ways to remember my calling, my calling as God's people. We all put on clothes every day, at least I'm assuming we, we all do. It's a great opportunity to be prayerful and make that decision, make that intention to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, and love, to be, live a Christian life. And maybe you'll recognize that you need other clothes. You know, we wear different clothes for different situations. Maybe compassion, kindness, and love aren't exactly what you need. Well, there's plenty of other invitation in Scripture to think about how we're called to live the life. Maybe your prayer would be, dear God, clothe me with courage and hope today or patience and peace, or determination and perseverance. Or maybe tomorrow you need God to clothe you with strength and wisdom. Listen again to our memory verse for today. I think it makes sense with a slightly different translation from the message version of the Bible. It goes like this. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. We are fortunate here at Covenant. We have a well-dressed congregation. I'm looking out here, I see some very well-dressed people, but that's not exactly the kind of clothing that I'm talking about. We have many people who regularly, over the days, weeks, and years, have put on the clothing, God's clothing, of compassion, kindness, and love, and it's a wonderful thing to see. Longtime covenant member Marsh Finner was one of those people. He died earlier this month, and his funeral was here on Thursday. We give thanks to God for Marsh and his faithful living. He was a dedicated teacher in agriculture at UW-Madison, doing his best to make this world a better place through his profession, through his professional work. He was a ruling elder here at Covenant, and he served as moderator of John Knox Presbytery 
being very involved in the life of the church, knowing that great things happen. He was a gracious family man, ending regularly scheduled phone calls to his daughters by saying, I'm glad you're my daughter. And he was a skilled woodworker. He actually made this pulpit, that communion table, and that table where the baptismal font is standing. He's been deeply involved in the life of this church for decades, sitting in those pews, drinking coffee and going to committee meetings and enjoying the fellowship of one another. And over that time, God clothed him with compassion, kindness, and love and a desire to make this world a better place. Just being here makes a difference. Slowly and steadily, God heals us, changes us, redirects us, and leads us forward. Sometimes I've referred to this church as a school of transformation, a place where we come to learn God's love and then go out to live God's love. It's a great image, I think, and we like that. We're heady intellectual people. We like the idea of learning and putting that learning into practice, and it makes good sense. A school of transformation, great way to describe this church, but I've got another image for this church for today. Maybe we think of it as a clothing store, or maybe as a fashion design studio, a place where we can get rid of the old clothes that don't fit anymore or don't work anymore or that we shouldn't be wearing anymore, the clothes of selfishness, foolishness, and greed, the clothes of racism, arrogance, and closed-mindedness, the clothes of fear and despair and negativity. And then this is a place where with Sunday worship, with fellowship, with all the things that we do together, we slowly and steadily put on the new clothes that God wants us to wear, clothes of justice and righteousness, clothes of hope and courage, clothes of strength and perseverance, clothes of compassion, kindness, and love. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you for the gift of life that you've given all of us. Help us to not sleepwalk through life. Help us to be intentional about the words we use, the things we do, the clothes we wear, the spiritual clothes we wear. If we've gotten off track, God, help us to get back on track. If we've stumbled and fallen, help us to get back up. Help us to look for a helping hand. Help us to look around and find ways to encourage one another on the journey because we can't do this alone. We thank you, God, for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We pray that his word would dwell richly within us to guide us and lead us into abundant life this day, this week, and forever. Amen. Our affirmation of faith for today also comes from the little book of Colossians. There's a section in the beginning, six verses, where the centrality of Jesus Christ is affirmed. And this is our affirmation for today. Um, I invite you to join me in sharing these words on the screen and in your bulletins. Christ is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Amen. With our